listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. One of my top requests to the Lord for this year is that as we step out, now he opened the doors. We didn't open them. I I talked a little bit about it uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. All the days are running together. Um, Or maybe it was what, no, actually it was television that we were recording on the key of David. The Bible says that Jesus holds the key of David and he opens doors that nobody can shut and he shuts doors that nobody can open. So being very clear, Jesus opened the doors. And we're stepping through by faith. And now, of course, as you guys know, one of the things we're going to be doing to step through is now we're launching into international television ministry. Well, one of my prayers, one of my my biggest requests to the Lord is that he would put his hand of blessing and anointing on our television broadcast and that through the broadcast, we would see thousands of souls saved. I'm asking the Lord that this would be uh, a year of divine productivity in the kingdom of God via souls being saved and people being delivered, miracles, healings coming to people, uh, even as they watch the TV broadcast. And um, we're putting everything together so that people can see all that we're doing on TV. Uh, It'll be on the website. And of course, we're uploading um, our program every time there's a new one to our YouTube channel. Last week's program's already up on YouTube. If you missed it, you'd like to go back and see what our TV uh, ministry is like and it's all about on our YouTube channel, which by the way, let me encourage you to subscribe if you haven't. Hey, Mervyn, um, you, you'll see uh, the first week of television. I think it says like TV 01, but you'll see it. You'll see it there. You can watch the broadcast, upload it there every week. Soon you're going to be able to watch it on our app as well. Um, but we'll make all that, uh, available to you as it comes, but we're asking you to agree with us. Those that are part of this ministry, uh, partners, friends, um, you know, the victory tribe, make that one of your prayer requests that the Lord will use this TV broadcast to see thousands of souls saved this year. And, uh, we're asking the Lord to do it. Look, watching from Botswana in Africa, glad to have you on. We have people that watch from Zambia. Nigeria. We have people that watch from South Africa, Dubai. We have people that watch from the UK. People are watching from all over the world. And now it's going to be expedited because we're on television. So ask the Lord. And so we're stepping out, believing for big things to take place, big things for God to do more with us. And and I, I know he will, he's already doing it more in one year than in the previous three years combined together fruitfulness. And I believe he'll do that for you that you could look back over 2020, 19, and 18 and see God do more in your family life, business, and ministry in 2021 than all of those three previous years combined together. And he will do it. He will do it. He will anoint. Watching from Denmark. Look at that. I love it. Watching from India. Amazing. God is doing it. He's opening the doors. And so here's what I want to do. Because a lot of times when you say prayer requests, Uh, people think, you know, that there's something wrong. I need you to pray that I need to be healed. And you know, nothing wrong with that. The Bible commands it. 
But think of it this way as well, that one of our prayer requests or, or one of the ways that we submit prayer requests is to the Lord for things that we want to see him do in us in a new year, in the future, how we want him to use us, doors that we want to see him open, opportunities that we want to see come to pass and open up. And as I said, Jesus holds the key of David. And so he can open doors that nobody can shut. He can close doors that the enemy used to access that he can no longer open. And so uh, for this coming Friday night, on this miracle prayer and uh, communion service, we want you to send us prayer requests. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to send us what you're believing for in 2021. It's more than just, I need healing, save my son, whatever those uh, requests might be for your benefit. Now, Now here's what we're talking about. What is it you're believing for? What is it that you're believing God does that he uses you to do in this new year. And so it's part of our vision. See, this is like vision casting in the Holy Ghost. What is it the Lord has spoken to you to do and how can we stand with you and agree and pray? And so I want you to go to miracleword.com forward slash prayer. And I want you to put those requests of what you're believing for in 2021. What do you want to see come to pass in these next 11 and a half months and put it in. And we want to lay our hands Friday night. Carolyn and I are going to be here together. We're going to lay our hands on those requests. And we're going to ask the Lord to quickly bring those things to pass in your life. I truly believe God will move so swiftly that we can see all those prayers answered before June comes to an end so that we'll have to actually create new goals and new vision for the second half of the year. That's how quickly I believe God will move. And so whatever it is that you are believing for, go to that website on the screen, miracleword.com forward slash prayer. And I want you to put it in what it is you are believing for. And this coming Friday, we're going to join together. We're going to pray. We're completing our fast. We're going to take communion and we're believing for miracles to quickly come to pass. Let me say this too. Um, it's, it's imperative, it's very important that you stay on the Word of God. And we are reading through the Word of God in 90 days. You're not too late to join us. We even put together a Bible reading plan for you. And you can get it for free at miracleword.com forward slash study. And we want you to get it. We want you to jump in with us. Doesn't matter uh, that it's the 19th of January. You can start now and be done by the 19th of March. Uh, We want you to be a part of this. It's so imperative, so imperative that you read the word of God, get it into your spirit and renew your mind because it's the level of truth in which you walk that determines your freedom. I'm going to say that again. It's your truth level that determines your freedom level. Amen. I'm going to say it again. It's your truth level that determines your freedom level. Where do I get that from? The Bible says, and Jesus said this in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
And so uh, we need that truth and we need to be in the word of God. Maybe you've never read the Bible cover to cover before. Many Christians have not. Many preachers have not. (laughs) I mean, that's the statistic. People coming out of Bible school or seminary uh, have never read the Bible cover to cover. And so it's important. We've got to have the word of God in us to see that level of strength. So join us on this Bible reading plan. You've joined us in fasting and prayer. And now we're going to step out and do the greatest things for the Lord we've ever done in Jesus name. We're going to jump in today. uh, Share the broadcast for me. Help me get this word out. I'm talking about your massive advantage. Good morning, brother Daryl. Your massive advantage as a believer. I'm going to talk about something today that we have that nobody else has. That's awesome, Danae. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're joining us. Um, This is such a massive advantage, by the way. No other individual on the planet has what I'm going to teach you today that we have. And um, it's a wonderful thing. It's actually the very crux of Christianity. It's the very essence of what Christianity is. And you know, there's a lot of people that they look at this Bible and it intimidates them. They look at all 66 books. They look at all of the, the, the reading there is to do. And some people get intimidated. What's up, Terry? They get intimidated and they say, man, that's a lot. I don't know if I could ever understand all of that. I don't know if I could ever fully comprehend everything that's, I went through old Testament before and I, I was confused. I went through Leviticus and I went through, and I, I don't know, I don't know what people get intimidated, but let me be an encouragement to you today that Christianity is actually a very, very simple thing. It's not a complex religion. It's not a complex thing. Thank God it's not like Hinduism where there's over 10,000 gods that they have to serve and, and, and please. Christianity is very elementary, very simple. In fact, all of it is only based on one fact, just one. All of Christianity, our entire religion, all that we believe, it's based on one thing. And it is our massive advantage that I'm going to teach you today. And so I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And um, I want to show you this because many people miss this. They try to make it way more complicated than it is. Now, there's, it's true that there's a lot of different teaching in the Bible. There are, I mean, Paul's letters, the Gospels, the Old Testament, law, prophets, poetry, Uh, you know, apocalyptic books. There's a lot in the Bible, no question. But the actual relationship or religion of Christianity, very simple thing. And I'll show it to you in just this one chapter in a few verses. One chapter in a few verses. Hey, Ben, glad you made it, buddy. Um, Paul's writing here to the Corinthian church. And um, he's talking to them about the message he preaches. And This right here is the definition, truly, of what Christianity is. And it's your advantage. Let me start reading uh, with the first verse. I'm going to break this down for you. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 1. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel 
I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So thanks, Beverly. So look at this. It's interesting that Paul's saying now, uh, he had a gospel. Now, if you read the Bible, you'll find out people were trying to preach other gospels. They were trying to preach other truths, things that were contradictory to what the apostles preached. In fact, that's why the apostles warned the churches. Uh, if you hear people come in and preach other gospels to, to you, ignore them. I don't care if they said they got it from an angel, ignore them, ignore them. If they don't preach the gospel, we preach to you, ignore them. And that's what he's saying. This is the gospel by which you were saved and the one by which you stand. Verse three, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received. Now listen, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And now, now here's where it gets really interesting. Watch this. And that he appeared to Peter or Cephas, then to the 12. Then verse six, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, next, Paul starts talking about why what he just said is so important, so vitally important. And if you haven't shared this yet, you need to share it because here's all of Christianity right here. Go down to verse 12, 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Now, verse 14 says it all. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So here's the point Paul's making. All of Christianity, all of our preaching, every Christian's faith, their righteousness, their life in Christ, all of it is based on one fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. That is it. That's the whole thing. Christ was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments section. Christ was raised from the dead. Christ was raised from the dead. The whole of our religion, all of Christianity, Everything we believe, all of it, it hinges upon one fact. Jesus Christ has been raised 
from the dead. And Paul's very clear about this point. Paul says, if he was not, if he was not, none of this matters. And of course you realize that if, if he was not raised from the dead, none of this matters. None of it. We don't need to go to church. We don't need to read this book. We don't need to pray. None of it. None of it matters unless Jesus was raised from the dead and he was raised from the dead. He absolutely was. I'm going to break that down in a moment, but Christ was raised from the dead. But if he wasn't, Paul said, our preaching and your faith is in vain. It's for nothing. It means nothing. But Christ was raised from the dead. Now, let me break down, uh, obviously why that is. It took not just Christ's death. Anybody can die. Let me make that very plain. Anybody can die and everybody will die. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, uh, the resurrection or judgment. And so you get this, unless we go up in the rapture, everybody will die. Anyone can die and everyone will die. So that's not divine. That's not divine. Anybody can be buried and anybody that dies will be buried unless they're of course cremated. But of course, anybody can be buried, but what everybody cannot do is be resurrected like Christ was. It was a proof of who he said he was. First of all, he prophesied he'd be resurrected. He said, you tear this temple down, talking about his body. He said, you can tear this temple down and in three days, I will raise it back up again. So number one, he prophesied that he'd be resurrected and that came to pass. That came to pass. What was divine about his death and burial is his blood. He had sinless blood. And the Bible says he was born of a virgin. She knew no man. And so the Holy Spirit put the seed in her belly. And so she gave birth to a sinless man. That's the reason. I've heard people that don't truly understand this say, well, if all he did was die on the cross, anybody could, the two thieves next to him could have paid for your sin. No, that's not true. The two thieves didn't have sinless blood. The whole point of Jesus being born of a virgin, and that's an important point in the gospel, is that it provided us with a man who was perfect who was sinless, who could become the sacrifice for the world. Without that virgin birth, it was pointless for Jesus to come. Because understand this, if he, that's why, by the way, that's why it's important for people to understand every point of the gospel message. It's not just Jesus is alive. That's not the whole gospel. That's just the last part of the gospel. But let me break the gospel down step by step so that you understand that all the points are important. Number one, he was born of a virgin. And that is the foundation upon the entire, upon which the entire gospel rests. He was born of a virgin. 
That's so vital. If he was not, he might as well not have come. If he was born like everybody else was born, there was sin in his blood. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. So if he was born just like all of us, there's no point in him coming because he couldn't have accomplished what he was sent to do. So it's very important you understand and believe he was born of a virgin. And then obviously because he was, he had sinless blood. But then the Bible says for the rest of his 33 years on the earth, he did not sin. He was a sin. He was tempted in all points as we are, the Bible says, but he did not sin. That's important. Not only did he start perfect, he ended perfect. He didn't just start perfect. He ended perfect. There was no guile found in his mouth. He was not unrighteous. He never sinned. He never displeased his father. He lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin and continued in perfection until the end of his life. Okay, so the reason that's important is now he is in position to be the Lamb of God that is slain for the sins of the world. He has got the perfect blood that he can pour out as a sacrifice for all men and all women. And so then the cross makes sense. But the cross didn't make sense without a sinless man. It would have been a waste of time. But now the cross makes sense. And if I can show you what I mean by that, in the book of Colossians, let me show you a verse of scripture that will stir your faith. And the only way that this verse could be true is if he was in position to fulfill this verse or to make it happen. Colossians 2 verses 14 and 15. Listen to this. By canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this Jesus set aside by nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. And he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So you understand what he did, don't you? Look what it says. Canceled the record of our debt, sin. By doing what? Nailing it to the cross. (laughs) He nailed it to the cross. And so now the cross makes sense. Virgin birth. Secondly, sinless life which means sinless blood, crucified in my place. He took death. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Crucified in my place, died in my place, took punishment in my place and then was buried. And when Christ was buried, we were buried. We were buried. Hallelujah. But he didn't stop there. He did not stop there. The Bible says three days later, he was raised from the dead. And that's the point Paul's making. That is supernatural because not only did he prophesy that it would come to pass, it came to pass. 
And when he was resurrected, listen to this, he defeated death, the last enemy. He defeated death for us. Now listen, and when Christ was raised, we were raised. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When Christ was raised, we were raised. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter uh, two, listen to this, uh, verses five and six, very, very powerful. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When Christ was raised, we were raised. Let me go further. He didn't just stop by being raised from the dead. The Bible says 40 days later, 40 days after his resurrection, he stuck around for 40 days. People don't know that. He stuck around on the earth in his glorified body for 40 days, hanging with his disciples. And after 40 days, the Bible says they, as they were in Bethany and he was talking to his disciples, he began to ascend into heaven. I love it. He began to ascend into heaven. See, he wasn't done after his resurrection. There was more to do. He ascended into heaven. They watched him go. They're looking up in the sky and they stood there. It was so amazing and miraculous. They stood there looking up until an angel had to say to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that you saw go will come back again in like manner. Hallelujah. Meaning the same way he left is the same way he's coming back in clouds of glory. Hallelujah. But he wasn't done then. He ascended up into heaven and then was seated on a throne. Glory to God. Glory to God. At the right hand of the Father. That's a place of authority. And when he was seated, we were seated. Glory to God. You see that? Because that's what I just was reading to you in the book of Ephesians. Yeah. That we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. Far above. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, by the way. Let me go to it. The Bible says uh, in verse 22, 122. And... um, Now let's go back to verse 20 though that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come and put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Let me ask you a question. Can your head be seated somewhere and your body's not? My head is here seated in this chair talking to you, but guess what? My body's seated here too. Where the head goes, the body goes. And if the head is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, guess what? The body is seated there too. 
far above principalities and powers, far above every wicked thing. And so he was seated. Now, guess what? He didn't stop there. Let me give you another part of the gospel that 10 days after that, 10 days after that was the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. 50 days after his resurrection and 10 days after his ascension was the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says they were in the upper room. They were all in one accord waiting. Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with what? Power from on high. And on that day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all in one place and in one accord. And suddenly they heard a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues like fire sat upon their heads. Hallelujah. And they all began to speak with other tongues. They were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And that completed the gospel work. Now, of course, we know Jesus is making intercession for us in heaven. We know that his blood is an ever-present sacrifice uh, to God. We know that. We know he's preparing a place for us in heaven. But the redemptive work was done. The redemptive work was done, and then he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost. We have an advantage, a massive advantage. Now, Paul says here, if he was not raised, see, if you can just kill a man and he goes away, he's not divine. But if he's raised, glory to God, he's eternal. He's eternal. And that's exactly what happened with Christ. And and I'll break this down because one of the things that we need to realize, because people act like, people act like that this is just something that we Christian nut jobs talk about. Well, they got their precious little religion that they enjoy talking about. They meet in church and talk about their precious little religion. Let me just, let me talk about it for a minute for those of you watching, because we do live in a postmodern society where everybody's asking how and why. So let me break down how and why to you so that you can see it even from a natural standpoint, although it's not a natural religion. But somebody might be watching that says, well, that's, you know, that's, you just have to believe that. No, you don't have to just believe it. We can look at things historically and ask ourselves, why would these historical facts be true if this story did not happen? First of all, the Bible is not just a book of faith. It's a, it's a historical document from antiquity. That's important to know that our New Testament alone, okay, just our New Testament, there are more surviving manuscript copies of our New Testament than any other document from antiquity. Not any other religious document, any other document, period. That, I mean... That's it. The the manuscripts of the New Testament far outweigh any other historical document that's ever been found. More copies than they've been found all over the world. We have more evidence for the New Testament than anybody has for anything. 
Let, let me say that again because, in case you didn't catch the weight of that. We have more evidence for the New Testament stories than anyone has for anything, religious or non-religious, anything. It's a historical document from antiquity. Now, let me go further than that. This is an account written by Paul the Apostle, a historical figure that we know existed. And he says that after Christ was raised from the dead, we didn't just have to sit around hoping that was true or believing that was true. So, well, you know, I just believe that we'll know one day, but I just, I hope that resurrection really happened. We don't have to say that. We don't have to say that we hope the resurrection really happened. Paul, in this historical document from antiquity, lays out what did happen, which, as I'll show you in a moment, affected the actions of men and women in life or death situations. Watch this. The Bible says, after he was raised from the dead, he showed his resurrected body to Peter. Then he showed it to all 12, appeared to the 12. But here's something interesting in verse six. Then he appeared to over 500 people at one time, at one time. Now, even psychologists have studied this and agreed that there's no way. I mean, if you want to have a a reaction to this story that Paul writes and says, well, you know, because this is what people have said. They just missed him so bad. They just missed Jesus so bad that they all begin to have delusions that he was back. Even secular psychologists agree that you can't all have the same delusion at the same time. It's impossible for 500 people to all have the same delusion at the same time. And they said, and Paul proves it. He's not, it's, he's not saying something that's not provable. He's not saying, well, you know, he showed himself to 50 people. Of course, they're all dead now, so they can't testify on that fact. But he did, I promise. Just trust me on this one. He showed himself to 50 people. I don't, they are dead. No, 500 people. And look what he says. And he says, and most of you, talking to them, are still alive. Most of whom are still alive. Though some have died. But most of the 500 are still living. Let me ask you a question. If Christianity is the biggest and most explosive religion that burst through our planet Earth ever, and it is, it is, it exploded through the planet, even in times of extreme persecution. When I say times, I mean the first 300 years of, uh, of Christianity. It exploded through the Earth sprang up everywhere. People shared the New Testament documents and converts were made. Disciples were raised up. Churches were planted. If that's the case, how is it that under threat of death, not just any death, torturous death, extreme death, that people who saw the Lord with their own eyes were willing to allow themselves to be tortured and killed for one fact. What's the one fact? Jesus is alive. They wouldn't renounce him. I mean, think about it. They would not renounce him. They would not deny him. These are people, you go back, you can read 
things like Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a sobering book to read of all the martyrs and how they died, how they were killed. It's gruesome. It's gruesome. Imagine me saying to you about a lie. If you don't deny this lie, I'm going to take you and your wife and your children and I'm going to throw you to hungry lions and let them eat you and your wife and your children alive while a coliseum full of people watch. You'll be eaten alive by wild animals. Would you stand up for that lie, especially if you knew it was a lie? Or do you love your wife or husband and children enough to say, it was a lie, don't kill us. Don't kill us over a lie. I would rather have my babies live than support this deception. What if they told you, we're gonna cut you in half? What if they told you we're gonna behead you? We're gonna crucify you. We're gonna hang you upside down. We're gonna pull your limbs apart. We're gonna put a noose around your neck like they did with the evangelist Mark and we're gonna tie that noose to a horse and drag you around until you're dead. Would you still stand up for the lie if it was truly a lie? Or do you value your life? And moreover, do you value the lives of your spouse and children? But isn't it interesting to you that nobody did that? That they didn't say, you know, he never showed up. It was a, it was a lie. Did you ever notice they didn't do that? They would rather have been gruesomely killed than to deny the fact they saw Jesus and that he's alive? That should tell you something. Is that right, AJ? The song, I'd, I have decided to follow Jesus? A martyred missionary family in India wrote that song? Interesting. I mean, think about that. Would you be willing to give up, to, be, to have your children tortured and killed over a lie? Foolishness. And they weren't deceived. You can't, dece- they weren't brainwashed. Crazy. And they all were willing. They all were willing. All of them. Paul was willing. Every apostle was willing. The Christians and their families were willing to die gruesome deaths just to say, we're going to see him soon. He's not dead. He's alive. Nobody's willing to die for a lie. Nobody, forget dying for a lie. Most people aren't willing to go to jail for a lie. You go back and study Watergate. People flipped on each other so quick. People told on each other so quick. You just put two drug dealers in a room, separate interrogation rooms in the police station, and start working on them against each other to see if you can break down their lie. Only with a threat of two to three years of jail time. They will flip so quick. They'll flip so quick and start informing on their buddy so fast. They ain't, forget dying for a lie. They ain't going to jail for a lie. These people were willing to be gruesomely killed. You know why? They saw him. They saw him. You can't deny what you've seen. They saw him with their own eyes. And they were still alive when this letter was being written. Our religion, our relationship is based upon one powerful fact. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Now that's not to, listen to me. I want to make this very clear. That's not to discredit 
the power of this written word. This right here that you hold in your hand is a miracle. It's a miracle. I don't even have time, maybe tomorrow, maybe another day. I'll sit down and break down to you what a miracle the Bible is. What a miracle the fact that we have it is. I mean, God promised to preserve his word and he's done so in spectacular fashion. The Bible is a miracle. So what I'm telling you about the resurrection being the only thing we need to have a religion, that's not to discredit this Bible. Because if it's all God thought we needed, he'd have never given us the Holy Scriptures. And he did give them to us because he knew we needed them. God would never give us something that he didn't think we needed or know we needed. He gave us the Holy Spirit because he knew we needed the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Scriptures because he knew we needed the Holy Scriptures. He gave us Jesus because he knew we needed a Savior. It's a powerful thought. Now, I'm not discounting or discrediting having the Bible as Christians. We need it every word we need. But understand, even if, I mean, there's been people, think about this. I mean, here's a great point and proof of this. There have been people who have no Bible. They have no Bible, but they heard the word of the gospel preached verbally and it brings salvation. It produces salvation. How? Because the gospel is the preaching of that message of what Jesus did, the redemptive act, born of a virgin, sinless life, crucified, buried, uh, resurrected, ascended, coming back soon, right? That's a message that we preach. It's the message Paul was talking about in the book of Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So now you should see very clearly that everything preached from the pulpit is not necessarily the the gospel. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. But not everything that's preached is the gospel. Oh, he was preaching the gospel today. Not everything out of the Bible is the gospel. For example, I could do a whole session tonight or tomorrow on the subject of prayer and teach you on prayer, but that's not the gospel. I could preach on praise. I could preach on finances. I could preach on fasting or write on fasting. That's not the gospel though. The gospel is a specific message. It's a specific message. The message is Jesus Christ born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died, was crucified, died, buried, resurrected, ascended, seated, and is coming back soon. That's the gospel. Very simple. It's the wonderful, powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that, now listen to me, that specific message is what produces salvation in a man or woman. That message. That's why Paul is very clear when he's writing to the Roman church that nobody can believe unless they've heard the gospel. Romans chapter 10 is so important because once again, it backs up our one massive advantage. Jesus was raised from the dead. That's the massive advantage we're talking about in today's broadcast. That's the thing that Jesus did for us that gives us the freedom that we have today. He was resurrected 
from the dead and he's now seated at the right hand of the father and he's coming back soon. In Romans 10, Paul is really breaking down how extremely important the gospel message is. And listen to what he says. The Bible says in verse 13 of Romans 10, I'm going to read Romans 10, 13 through 10, uh, 15, and then I'll read verse 17. Listen to this verse 13 for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. How then? Now here's the question. This is the breakdown. Well, then how can they call on him in whom they've not believed? So let me stop right there and say this to you. Yes, it's true that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But if you've not believed on him, you can't call on him. That's what Paul's saying. If you haven't believed on him, you can't call on him. But then how do they believe on somebody they've never heard about? So you can't believe in someone you've never even heard of, right? Go further. And then how can they even hear without somebody preaching to them? See, Paul's breaking it down point by point. How can they even hear the gospel about Jesus on whom they should believe if they've never even heard preaching? And how can they preach? unless they're sent. And that's why it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now look at verse 17. The Bible says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And specifically in context, this is talking about saving faith, about gaining the faith or coming into the faith of Christianity. Faith doesn't come any other way, but by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that's the point Paul's making is that if we don't tell people about this massive advantage, that Jesus is not dead, Jesus is alive. He's alive. That message right there is the power of God unto salvation. That's why he's not ashamed of it. That's why he said, I'm not, I'll never be ashamed of that message. I'll never stop preaching the gospel message. You're not going to shame me. You're not going to make me feel like a fool for preaching this message because I know what it does. It produces salvation in men and women. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this quote and I I can't remember who said it. Maybe you could Google it and, and see who said it. I don't know who said it. Maybe Billy Graham. But the quote was this. If you make the gospel profound, the results will be simple. But if you make the gospel simple, the results will be profound. If you make the gospel profound, the results will be simple. But if you make the gospel simple, the results will be profound. What does that mean? Can I break that down? What does it mean? There are people who make the gospel so complicated. They make it so complicated. That's why I'm doing this broadcast today to talk to you about this power so you understand the resurrection power of Christ and I'm not done yet. But understand, there are people, you listen to them preach, you need a dictionary to understand what they're saying. I've been in those meetings. People are preaching so far over the heads of the people in the pew, you don't even know what they're talking about. Honestly, don't know... 
I've sat through, and I don't mean as a boy. I don't mean as a five-year-old. As a full-grown adult, (laughs) as a minister of the gospel, I've sat in church services and turned to my wife and said, what in the world are they talking about? Honestly, what in the world are they talking about? What is this message? I've sat there and I'm not dumb. I promise you I'm not dumb. I promise you I have intelligence. And I'm sitting there with my phone out, notes, writing things, and I'm trying to follow the, the, the line of thought. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself on the front row of these meetings, what in the world is this person even talking about? <laughs> it's like, and I went to Bible school. And I know the Bible and I read the Bible all the time and I pray and I I have a relationship with the teacher, the Holy Ghost. And I still don't know what you're talking about. I like that quote, AJ. Zig Ziglar said, I speak on an eighth grade level so that even college professors can understand me. (laughs) It's true. But think about this. And I want you to think about it. Can you not find who said it? It's, it's obscure. Somebody said it. If not, I'll take it. I said it. Okay. I said it, but listen, this is an interesting thought. I'm saying this to you because you are a, 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 a mouthpiece or a voice of God on the earth. You're watching me. You are a mouthpiece of God. You're called to bring people into the kingdom. You are called to share this gospel message. You are not just preachers. Every Christian is a preacher of some sort and you're called to bring people in. So I'm, I'm teaching you this to show you that the more simple you make the gospel message, the better all of your results will be. The better all of your results will be. The more people will be saved. The more people will be delivered. The more simple you can make it. Now, Zig Ziglar said that thing about, I talk on an eighth grade level so even college professors can understand me. And we laugh, but think about this. The average American, not child, the average adult American reads at a fifth grade reading level. A fifth grade reading level. So if you're going to get up there, that's why I don't, Uh, I don't like preachers necessarily that try to just impress other preachers. That's not what your goal is. That's not your goal to impress, impress other preachers that may be in the crowd. It's to reach those who need help. It's to reach those who need help. And so if you know that the average Christian or the average American reads at a fifth grade level, why would you try to take the most powerful message in the history of the world and, and complicate it or make it complex. Why would you not even try to simplify it even further? I mean, look at what Jesus did. I, I want you to look at what Jesus did. Jesus took complex kingdom principles and made them easy to understand by using parables. Isn't that interesting to you? Jesus took complex kingdom principles and made them easy to understand using principles. Listen, if he's speaking to a group of farmers, he comes up with stories and parables about farming. 
right? He came up with stories and parables about farming. The kingdom of God is like if a man should scatter seed. And what does he do? He starts talking the language farmers would understand. If you go in and speak to a basketball team, it might be good to use sports analogies to to preach the gospel of the kingdom. What did Jesus do? Jesus created stories that people could immediately understand and grab hold of the concept and put it into action. Did it on purpose because he knew how people retain information. So he said, this is so important that I want to make it simple to understand. And AJ, he brings up a great point. Look at, uh, look, look at ministries like T.L. Osborne, who saw pro- you know, millions of people saved, millions, held mass crusades in 76 nations of the world, I believe the number was. 76 nations, mass crusades. When I say mass crusades, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, on those fields. And here's a man who made the gospel simple. Jesus loves you. He has good things planned for you. I mean, you go read T.L. Osborne's books of what he preached. I have all of them. I have everything that he ever produced. All of his books. He, He gave them to me when I went to Bible school. Piled my arms up. I have everything. It's easy. Easy to understand. Preached it in foreign nations. Jesus loves you. He's a good God. And then talked about salvation. How you can receive it. What God will do for you. God's love plan. You know, he'd write about it. God's love plan. (laughs) He wrote a book called The Message That Works. The Message That Works. It's the gospel message. Made it easy. And because he made it easy, people were able to understand. And they received. And by the millions, they came into the kingdom. Look at Reinhard Bonnke. Same thing. Same thing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But let me give you this, because I'm not done. Is that after he sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, now... That same wonderful anointing that raised Jesus up from the dead, the Bible says it dwells in you. Hallelujah. And I'll finish here, Romans 8, 11. The Bible says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay. And so now that means the same resurrection power, glory to God, that got him out of a tomb that brought him back from paradise is the same resurrection power that is in your body today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your body today. And that means that you will be raised from the dead bodily. You've already been raised spiritually. Think about that. You've all, if you're a Christian, you've already been raised spirit, but you will be raised body. 
That's why even, you know, some of these songs, and I like the songs, I like the songs, but even some of them, I'll change a word or two to be doctrinally accurate. For me, that bothers me if I'm singing something that the Bible doesn't teach. But even like that song by Elevation Worship, I like the song. I think it's called Resurrecting. But there's a portion of the song, and, and I, again, I'm not criticizing them. I like the song. But there's a portion of that, of that song that says, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. And that's, it's a beautiful song, but he's not resurrecting me. He already has resurrected me. <laughs> that's the whole point. That's what salvation is. I'm not being resurrected. I'm, I've been resurrected. Even when I was dead in trespasses and in sins, he raised us up together, made us sit with him in heavenly places. You see that raised us up together. We were dead. Now we're alive. I mean, unless you think you're somehow partially alive and are like gradually being made alive a percentage at a time. No, we're not being resurrected. We are resurrected. Thank you, Lord. So I love the song. I don't stop singing the song. I just, when we get to that part, I'll sing it. The resurrected King has resurrected me. The resurrected King has resurrected me because he's already done it. He's already done it. Now, later on, either after we die or, and of course we know when it'll happen at the time of the resurrection, the time of the rapture. Our dead bodies are going to come out of the ground. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Our bodies will be resurrected and be made like him, glorified and reunited with our spirits. Hallelujah. And so that power of the Holy Ghost is in you. And that power that raised Jesus from the dead It is the power that makes our religion different than any other religion in the world. Our prayers can be answered because we're talking to a God who's alive. You see that? Our prayers can be answered because we're talking to a God who is alive. That's why, um, by the way, that other religions have to pray out of duty, not out of relationship. Muslims pray and they're faithful to pray, but they pray out of duty, not out of relationship. Hindus pray out of duty, not out of relationship. You understand, it's because the people that they're speaking to are not alive. They're not alive, dead, dead, or don't exist. Some in the form of demon spirits who cannot answer prayers uh, and do what our God does. There's nobody like our God, nobody. And so the reason that we pray out of relationship and the reason that our prayers can be answered and we have a promise of answered prayer is because we're praying to a living, eternal being. Hallelujah. Jesus, see, we, the Bible says, and Jesus taught us this. He said, you will ask the father in my name. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. 
Look at this. Let me read from you. John 14. John chapter 14. I love this. He said, uh, verse 13 and 14, John 14 verses 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You see that I will do it. Hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I will. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments before we pray. He will do it. He will do it. Why can he do it? Because we have a Jesus who's alive. Resurrection power is real. So put it in the comments. He will do it. He will do it. And he absolutely will. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it for you. He said this, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. (laughs) Woo, glory to God. That your joy may be full. Hallelujah. He will do it. And so I want to pray for you because I'm believing. That's why I'm arming you with information. I'm equipping you and arming you with, I hope you're taking good notes. If not, go back through and watch these. Because I'm believing that your soul winning life will go to the next level in 2021. I'm arming you with simple gospel material to show you how easy it is. It's not hard. It's easy. It's easy. It's, it, it's easy and it's wonderful. And you'll see many souls saved. I believe you'll fill up your church pews or rows in your church with people that are being saved through your life personally. Amen. Through your life personally. God will do it through you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how happy your pastor will be if you saw church growth just through you? (laughs) I mean, like if, if, if all, if the majority of the church growth just came because of your dedicated soul winning life. If in one to two months, your church grew by 20 families because you won 20 people to the Lord, (laughs) 20 families have been added to your church because of you. I tell you what, your pastor would be very happy, but you know, who'd be even happier? The Lord, the Lord. And I'm, I know God will use you this year. I know he'll use you. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus name, praying for your wonderful people. I ask that you would supernaturally use them in 2021. Put a fire in their belly to win souls into the kingdom of God. Put a boldness in their heart that they'd not be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Use them, Lord, this year. Open doors of opportunity for your people in 2021. I pray that you would Break down the walls around the hearts of their friends and family and co-workers. Whatever hardness there was, open up the door for the gospel to be preached to our loved ones. In Jesus' name, I pray by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would not only give us the boldness and give us a, a holy hunger and a desire, but Lord, finally, I ask you, put an urgency in our hearts. 
Let us sense daily how close we are to the coming of Christ. Put an urgency in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Urgency, boldness, and love. And because of those three things, I thank you that we will see souls saved like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus, you'll get all the praise. Add to your churches around the world, Lord. Let the church be built. I thank you for the words that you've given your men. Many men of God have been prophesying the same thing. That in 2021, it'll be the year that the local church rises in power, rises in effectiveness and fruitfulness. So let it come to pass quickly, Lord. Let the church rise in 2021 by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let the church rise. Let the believer rise. And we thank you we're going to run through 2021 by the power of the Holy Ghost. We give you glory, honor, and praise for what you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody, somebody shout a loud amen. Throw it in the comments. Put it up in the screen. Some hands, some fire, whatever you've got. In Jesus' name. Old Ted's getting comfortable with his Uggs on the table. Amen. Or as, as Brother Mike Frost said, smen. It's a different way of saying amen for 2021. Hallelujah. What a great day. I am so happy about what the Lord's doing already in 2021. So happy. So happy. God's going to do good things for you as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless their ministries, Lord. Bless their families. Heal their bodies. Touch their minds. Let this be a year that there's no harassment whatsoever from the enemy. Let us run. Let us soar through the year, Lord. Jesus' name. Soaring through the year by the power of God. Thank you, Viola. I want to encourage you guys to sow a seed today. All the information's on the screen. If you'd like to stand with us, do it. We're doing all we can. The Lord's doing what he does. I'm asking you to do what the Lord tells you to do. And the Lord will speak differently to every person. He'll speak differently to every person. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what the mother of Jesus said to the servants at the wedding. Whatever he says unto you, do it. When you do what he says, increase always comes. Increase always comes. Maybe the Lord's leading you to sow largely today. Do it. Stretch your faith. Let me ask you, when was the last time you stretched your faith and did something that in your mind was supernatural? When was the last time you stretched your faith? And I thank you because you're standing with us as we preach the gospel now literally around the world, feeding the hungry around the world, doing all the Lord's called us to do, including crusades. We're getting ready to go to Roswell, Georgia. Starts on Sunday. I'm going to be there with my father, mother. Carolyn will be there, the family. Everybody's coming. We're going to be holding revival for two weeks, the Lord willing. Two weeks straight. You know why? It's time to press in. It is time to press in to the kingdom of God. And so, January the 24th, all the way through February the 5th, 
We're going to be in Roswell, Georgia at World Harvest Church with Pastors Merrick and Linda Hufton. It's going to be awesome. It's a great time to take a road trip. It's a great time to jump in a car, jump on a plane, and come to Georgia. It's right outside of Atlanta. If you don't know where Roswell is, it's right outside of Atlanta. And it's a great, great time to take a road trip and see what God will do in your life, in your family, in your ministry. So that's why we're going two weeks straight, Sunday all the way through, and I think February the 5th is a Friday, is that right? Through the, through the next Friday. It's going to be awesome, man. We'd love to see you there. I'd love to see the Victory Tribe at these live meetings. Uh, and what we, all of our information, by the way, is on the website. You can see where we're going to be and what's, what's confirmed. Uh, right after we finish two weeks in Georgia, then we're going to be uh, going straight to North Carolina to Boomerang Church with Pastors Brian and Nicole Wright for Kickstart. I believe we've done this the last two or three years. I think, is it two now? This will be the third one, do you know, too? I think it's the third one in a row. We're starting the year, that's it. We're kick-starting the year in revival. That'll be uh, February the 7th through the 12th, I believe. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yep, 7 through the 12th. And it's going to be awesome. So we're going to be outside of Charlotte. That's uh, Albemarle, North Carolina. All the information's on the website. I'd love to see you at these live meetings. And we're going to be all over the United States this year. And if they open up the borders, we'll be overseas too. I'll come to San Antonio, Texas as soon as I am invited. I go where I'm invited. I go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. No, I'm just kidding. I go where I'm called. Amen. But I'd love to come and be a part of whatever's going on in San Antonio. I actually love Texas a lot. Really love Texas. I'm going to be this year in... uh, Tomball, Texas, that'll be coming up. It's all on the on the web. Uh, I'll be in a, a several, I think, different places in Texas this year. So go to MiracleWord.com and click the schedule page. And thanks for sewing. You can use the website, MiracleWord.com, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, hashtag donate in the comments section, wherever you're watching from on P- Twitter, Periscope, or Facebook. Unfortunately, we won't forget upstate New York. I'll be back there very soon, George. Very soon. I love Hope Church. Love Pastor Bruce. (laughs) He may have mentioned Tomball, Texas. Brother Hagen. Thank you, Kim. Appreciate that. We love Pastor Danny and his whole family. As soon as we go off, Carolyn's live at Faith TV, started at 11, and um, they've been killing it. Every, yesterday was the first day, today, tomorrow, Pastor Nicole Crank is going to uh, be there with them today as well. It's awesome. What a panel. What a panel. Rochester too. Zell's not on yet, Viola. We'll get it on. They're working on it. Um, what was the last thing I wanted to say? Before we go, oh yes, once again, whatever you're believing for, whatever you're believing for this upcoming year, I want you to write us. This Friday night is our miracle prayer and communion service at 9 p.m. Go to miracleword.com forward slash prayer. Send us what you're believing for. 
Send us what you're believing God's going to do in this new year. It's going to be an amazing banner year for every one of us by the power of the Holy Ghost. But we want to print it out, lay our hands upon it, and pray and believe God for increase in your life. And we're going to break bread, have communion, and then we're going to break our fast on Friday night and believe God that this will be a year filled with supernatural miracles. I love you guys. I'm going to be back again tonight and all this week at 9 p.m. every night, Monday through Friday. And of course, every morning, Monday through Friday at 10.30 a.m. Uh, so don't miss it. Tonight at 9 o'clock, I'll be back. Go check out Carolyn at myfaith.tv on YouTube or Facebook. They're live right now. And I'll see you again tonight, 9 o'clock p.m. I love you. Have a blessed day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.